0: High schools, if it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio 1069 FM 1390
1: AM, the FAN. <laughs> I may my- mumble Mumble Mumble. <laughs> Eric France and Ajay Salveson, congratulations. You're halfway through the week, May 13th, 401. Your kickoff time here on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 and The fan, hope you're having a spectacular day. Uh, the moisture was vibrant and adequate. It's nice. Nice. Okay. To get a little moisture. I'm driving to Bear Lake because I'm working on Adventure Park. I'm driving to Bear Lake and it is snowing like five minutes before and i'm like you got really me. i ain't doing this you got some snow i so i made up an excuse that we had a recorded interview coming up and so i had to go to leave work early they <laughs> may or may not know that i lied to them <laughs> they do now <laughs> i couldn't do it i was freezing man i was freezing i was freezing out there hey i hope you're all being safe and uh enjoying your week so far we'll uh Like I said, halfway through the week, so you're almost there. You're almost there to a Friday. By the way, speaking of which, we uh, we haven't done our lost and found game of the week in a couple Fridays like we said we would, and I'm so sorry. So here is the rules for our lost and found game of the week this Friday. We will pick a game from you, the listeners, you, the fans. Uh, It's got to be an Aggie football game or a Utah State men's basketball game. Texas at 435-339-0321. And preferably no later than the year two thousand. Yes, please. I mean there's only so much I can remember.
2: Well, and it's it's not just that, but also resources to do research. Hey, by the way, do you know who's Become really a little more limited really,
1: really intelligent when it comes to basketball players? I had no idea Oh my heavens. Uh I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Johnny's donuts, by the way, are incredible. Have you ever had one before? Uh, once, yeah, you have. Yeah, I, can, I can tell. Once before. So, anyways, do you know who's really, really <laughs> incredible when it comes to like knowing Aggie basketball players? Because we were doing our Aggies average above Aggie basketball player thing. Yeah, former yeah,
0: James Murdoch rattled above. off like
1: six guys to me. And I was like, holy fetch. And not only that, but he knew their stats. <laughs> <laughs> he knew their stats. Thank you, James. So, oh, Johnny uh, O's donuts. You're great just saying that because he's
2: standing there, you stand there with donuts.
1: No, I'm serious. I'm, okay, hold on. You know what? We're we're gonna play a game really quickly with. Help him on. We're gonna get him on here. He's gonna get on whether he likes it or not. There it is. Get him what on. These are like creations what? I haven't seen before. Right, I'm go. D- did you just pick one and go? No. I'm hey, just, wait, James, don't take, go anywhere. Hold, you, on, hold, on. Go, go. hold on, hold on. Gotta go. No commitment. No, no way. Okay, so this guy, James Murdoch, don't one put, of our sales put, guys, me, does don't an incredible put me on the job. Spot. I can't do it. Incredible. Don't put me on the spot. <laughs> Tell me the most underrated point guard in Aggie basketball history that I didn't think of as being a great Aggie guard. And he brought it up to me, and I was like, are you sure? And then he read me off his stats, and I was like, holy crap. How did I not actually notice that? I think it was because he was surrounded by really good talent, but do you remember who the guy was?
3: Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. He
1: rebounded a lot.
3: Yes. 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 He rebounded a lot. Now his name slips my mind. Mr. Box <laughs> Elder guy. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Played at uh, Jared it West, Western Wyoming Junior College. Oh yeah,
1: Jared Quell. Yeah. There. Underrated. I never really okay. knew how good he was. All
3: time Aggie point guards. I'm probably a Marcus Saxon guy though.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. I th- yeah. I think he was. He was just such a leader. He was so good. He
2: was. So really good. I remember him being on our in my top five.
3: Yeah. He my Friday five. Yeah, best that's right. He wasn't to top Former five.
2: Aggie basketball. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we should not. Yeah. Do Jared that. Coyle, the most
3: underrated, but Marcus Saxon, number one all time. Why champion. for you, number one? Uh you know, he was he was uh I don't know, he just was such a good leader. Um uh, he was he played I he remember He was an all around
2: player. Yeah I mean, he, he it not just offense, but he was good defensively, You too. just
3: watched him on the floor, and you knew he was the best player on the floor. And that was when he played those good Pacific teams that had Michael Candy who was the number one NBA draft pick. Wait, he played for Pacific? No, no, no. Michael candy no. No, no, no. No, no, no. Yeah. played for Pacific? Yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah, he was in like, Clippers, I think, number yeah, one draft yeah. pick. Yeah, but yeah. when you watched those games on the floor, you knew Marcus Saxon was a better
1: player. That's incredible. I didn't know Michael played for Pacific. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like, we brought that. He's, like, rattling off numbers and names, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Thank you, James, for the best. And thank you, Johnny O's, Bud Nuts, Donuts, really good stuff. Um, But, yeah. Okay, so that's there and that and whatever. But I just yeah, saw him come in. Anyways, throwback game. Friday, lost and found game of the week. You need to text us at 435-339-0321 and give us a game since 2000, no earlier than that, since 2000, that you want us to break down and recap. Like like numbers, stats. We we'll maybe look at the season, the aftermath, what led up to that game, um, record-wise and such, and we'll take losses and wins. We'll do both losses and wins. Four three five, three three nine, zero three two one. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. Let's do our lost and found game of the week this week. I, I know you may or may not be gone this week, but we'll we'll still get it in. Um And fill that up.
2: Yeah. I'm excited. I don't know what's going on with my schedule.
1: (laughs) Hey, when you are who you are, okay? When Gary Anderson called me a big timer, I said, no, 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 no. You don't know Eric Franzen. No. (laughs) You don't know Eric Franzen. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Eric, a lot of stuff to get through, including a local coach, in-state coach. Pretty bold in his comments today. You know what?
2: Are they... Are they bold? I mean, he really he made these comments yesterday. The uh, story on cashvalleydaily.com. You can read uh, the story there. Just how Pac twelve coaches basically trying to present a unified front that hey, we want we want the season to start on time, um, and we want everybody that's in our in our level of classification to start at the same time. Mm. But within that, there are some little nuggets that you can take away, and one of them, which Initially, when I first read the story, I thought, huh, okay. And then I looked at it again, did a double take, and it was a comment made by Kyle Whittingham, University of Utah head football coach. And I I get what he was saying, but it reveals that what we, all of us certainly know at at Utah State level, compared to looking at Pac-12 and other Power 5 schools, is that there's this, if anybody wants to believe there's this notion of fairness in college football or college sports, you are living in a dream world. (laughs) It doesn't exist. Fairness does not exist. So Kyle Whittingham explains what he means by that, but it totally illustrates the point. Fairness does not exist. Anybody who believes so is fooling themselves. And to that, to that end, should we still be flying this banner of fairness when it comes to starting games and starting seasons? If we acknowledge that this fairness does not exist, then why does it matter when, if this conference wants to start at this time and another conference wants to start at another time?
1: Eric tweeted out this uh, this quote coming up right here from Kyle Whittingham.
0: I don't believe that uh, players that have the availability and the opportunity to trade should be uh, that should be withheld from them. I think, you know, it's everything's in the best interest of the players, in my opinion. Uh, there's imbalances and inequities all across the board in the NCAA. I mean, facility-wise, recruiting bases, nothing's really equal when, when you really look at it. And so I would hate to see athletes just sitting around that you could be training and getting ready for the season uh, just because uh, other places aren't quite yet to that point. Now, the other side of that is I think that, you know, the lead in time to the season needs to be the same. You know, if you've got six weeks, uh, seven weeks, whatever. I think that needs to be uh, mandated, but uh, I just don't like to see athletes that uh, would have the opportunity and have the clearance and the go-ahead have to sit around and wait uh, just because of where they live. And, and like I said, there's you know we could debate all day long how much inequity there is in, in college football, and and uh, you know that's just my opinion.
1: Yeah, his opinion is strong because do you know why? He's been through it. He's been screwed over, especially, and I'm not just talking about. Uh, off the field, you know, based on facilities, paying, all that. I'm not just talking about... I'm talking about when his 2009 team was one of, excuse me, not one of the best three teams in the country and were given Alabama in the Sugar Bowl in Alabama's backyard and then smacked Alabama around. And yet people kind of looked over and sniffed at it and moved on with life. That's... This guy understands what unfairness is, both on and off the field, recruiting facilities, so on and so forth. Especially with an idiotic, incompetent commissioner such as Larry Scott is of the Pac-12. Well, y- yes. What did What did you get at? Because that's what I got. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what did true. You get I, out mean, of? I get that.
2: I mean, he's he's certainly seen that to some degree, but he's also living it. Um. He's he's living it with being in the Pac-12 and the the, the money he gets from that association uh, with TV opportunities and recruiting opportunities uh, that uh, a Utah State could just can't have can't ha- access. Uh, yeah, they they play the game the same. It, I mean, there's the same time frame of when how long a quarter is. The size of the field is the same. There's certain rules all the rules that they play by are the same but beyond that there is nothing that is really the same yes you have to have the same number of roster positions and i get and there's that but beyond that there's nothing else and so he's just admitting look there's there's not fairness <laughs> there's nothing that's equal uh outside of those things that i just illustrated okay. and so i think that what he's saying is like we shouldn't be held hostage basically university of utah should not be held hostage if there's still a hot spot that restricts
1: cal and stanford but i swear it was 3 weeks ago maybe 4 eric where we talked about how there'd be somewhat of a disadvantage if some teams got to start practicing while others had still had to wait are we now switching bases are we jumping ship on it
2: well i think what he's what he also said is uh, I, I, when I heard that, I my opinion was he doesn't really th- fall strong into that category where, like some of the other Pac-12 coaches, saying we should all start at the same time. For me, that what I took away from what Kyle Whittingham just said was th- is that look, whatever we gonna, whenever we're gonna start, we all need at least whatever that 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 lead up time that needs to be the same. So
1: it's oh okay I if see, the okay.
2: SEC. Can start playing their games the end of August, early September, first part of September. They need six weeks to start. But if the Pac 12, because we have a hot spot around San Francisco still, and it's going to delay the rest of the Pac 12 for a, an extra three weeks, um, maybe our start in the, in the Pac 12 starts a little bit later, but we need that same window of, okay, this is a standard lead time before you can start. I think that's kind of where he was saying it would be unfair to say the SEC gets six weeks of lead time, but the Pac-12 only gets three. That's that that just doesn't work.
0: Speaking of which, well, we've talked as uh, coaches, uh, you know, in the conference, and I think that uh, the pretty the sentiment is pretty much uh, six weeks would be a minimum. I think that's uh, something that uh, we could live with. Uh, if we're presented with less than that, then we've got to adjust accordingly. But but like when you look at it, you know, just discount spring ball, take that out of the equation. The typical lead in is eight weeks of training in the summer, four weeks of fall camp before you play or camp, and then leading into the season. So you got 12 weeks there. So, so if we get half that, I think that would be uh, great if we can get that done. And, and uh, you know, that seems to be the consensus uh, among the rest of the coaches as well as is, is a six-week six leading would, uh, would be adequate.
1: So six weeks. So if they were to start in July – that you're looking at about nah, just about what second, third week of August, they should be ready to go by then. If they start anywhere after the first week of July, we have to delay the season then, right? I mean, at least a week or two. Because what? Because I, I think you you put it together. You said the word threshold. Where is the threshold to where we say, all right, the season needs to be delayed? Is it the first week of July? Second week, or is it? Second to last well what
2: what is that point of no return yeah uh, there Utah opens the season at home against BYU on September 3rd that's what their current schedule has it laid out so that is on a, that's a Thursday Thursday September 3rd so just doing some quick uh, looking here. Because it, they would have to, uh, um, yeah, they would have to have uh, their their like July twentieth would be their their time to get the green light that it's okay. Everybody has a green light. If you wanted to still meet your the start of your regular season as normal, that's mid July is basically when you have to hit that that green light to proceed as normal without having to change your schedules. And that's look at it. That's
1: about six weeks yeah, from now. That's gonna say it's about six weeks from now, aren't we? Seven, eight, but it's pretty close, give or take. Uh, Pac twelve has had conversations, according to Clay Helton, about the possibility of an all conference schedule or using or having no fans in the games. Kyle Whittingham,
0: I think there's a lot of questions that have to be answered. First of all, I mean the ideal situation is we start on time, we play the normal schedule, and we've got fans in the stands and away you go. Uh, I think the odds are probably against that, but, uh, if it comes to, uh, playing a conference schedule, then, you know, we're all in and that's a, you know, if that's what it takes to, uh, you know, to get the season in and, and get things done in the best fashion possible, then, then, uh, you know, that's what we go with. But I think we're still, uh, several weeks out from, from having any real concrete direction on, on, uh, you know, what's going to happen and how things are going to be set up. Uh,
1: the more and more I listen to this, I just think and everything is possible, right? I mean everything this table is Thanksgiving style dinner. Everything is on the table. But the more and more I listen to people and the more and more I listen to coaches and reports and this and that and the other, it's an old conference schedule for a lot of these conferences.
2: Well, for a number of reasons. One of them is to um, just looking at the, the the time to fit everything in. If there is a delay. I think another part of it, a big part of it, is keeping things regional, cutting down on travel costs, um, and just limiting your exposure, your potential exposure.
1: So, uh, yesterday there was talk from the Pac-12 coaches about they wanted a uh, a uniform mandate start, and then of course, NCAA president comes out and says that won't be happening. I mean, it's just it's too tough. Jimmy Lake, head coach at Washington, talks about this a little bit.
2: You know, I'm of the opinion it would be great if the whole
0: NCAA made a blanket rule for the whole nation of when we would start. And I, you know, I understand some states maybe uh, you know less hit by it.
1: That's great. This, yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. I love this computer. Uh, Do you get the feeling that almost? Is it just the Pac-12 that wants to start on time? Or you get the feeling from what you've read, Eric, uh, and the people you've talked to that maybe other conferences are wanting that same thing? Or is it just the Pac-12? No, well... I don't know how fair that is to say.
2: I think that there is a sentiment that, like Kyle Whittingham said, if we have... If our players can get together and practice or get in the weight room, why are we telling them they can't? If our area is allowing you to get into a gym and be in a, a place where there could be 50 people, you could easily have a, a football team in a gym. Maybe not everybody, but you could stagger it easily and uh, and have them working out and training. But if, if it's, it's safe for Utah to do that, but it's not safe for USC players to do that, or us listening. Even go out to the same conference if it's not safe for University of Ohio um, or Ohio State, uh, different conferences but similar, you know, region. Uh, you know, how much does that uh, should that affect what's going on with with the University of Utah in an area where it's safe, but in those other areas, maybe their are restrictions still exist and you still have to be cautious and not uh, do those kinds of things. So, I don't, I don't think it's just Pac-12. I think there's a lot of others that are that are thinking that, but the Pac-12 is probably the first conference or the group of coaches in a conference to come out and say yeah, something about it.
1: There you go. All right, we're going to take a break. Eric Francis and then I'm R.J. And Coming back, the NBA is still in limbo mode as well. Uh, Brian Windhorse uh, talks about how to motivate players to come back to play basketball. Uh like where is the when comes a point where you say you know what we need to make a decision and need to make a decision now how big is this for silver's legacy as a commissioner and why is that unfair compared to stern's legacy and then of course how solid and confirmed is that line and that decision of hey we want to finish the season. We'll have Brian Windhorst. Uh, you'll, get, you'll hear from him. You'll hear from Woj, of course. Uh, and we'll talk some NBA basketball here coming up on the Full Court Press. 106.9 on FM, 1390 AM, and 106 on the fan.com.
0: The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
1: Eric Francis and L.J. South here on the Full Court Press, 424. Your time on a Wednesday, May 13th, halfway through the week, halfway through the month of May. We're getting there. Well, day by day, slowly but surely, we're getting through 2020. Hey, uh, before we move on to NBA yeah, and sure, Major League ahead, League baseball, yeah.
2: Mark Emmert, he is the, what, head honcho of the yeah. NCAA? Yep, it's president, the president. The NCAA, Yep, uh, state, uh He had He made some comments yesterday to Heather Dinich of ESPN. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, in regarding, when could college football start? Is there going to be a uniform start date like the Pac-12? Some Pac-12 coaches are calling for. Will they do something like what Penn State coach James Franklin said a week ago saying maybe we could do something that's staggered? Um, But uh, here's what he had to say. Normally, there's an agreed-upon start date for every sport, every season. But under these circumstances... Now that's all been derailed by the pandemic. It won't be the conferences that can do that either. It will be the local and state health officials that say whether or not you can open and play football with fans. We already saw the Oregon governor offering her views on what's likely to happen in September. The Pac-12 can say, gee, we'd all like to open up on this date. But whether or not you can is going to be ultimately up to the state and local health officials and the campus itself making a decision whether or not they want to go forward. Hmm. And basically, he said, Look, we can't make a blanket rule for everybody. And so I understand that to some degree, but isn't that kind of also what you do? Isn't that your job?
1: But isn't it based on, I, I mean, again, I, I go back to Whittingham's comments about, you know, it's not all equality in regards to NCAA. But I mean, there's a competitive advantage that other people can have. Compared, If you can control that competitive advantage, you might as well.
2: Okay, so here's another part of this, too. So what is this notion that might suggest that 90% or 80% of the uh, colleges could open up and are starting to open up, have students on their campus, but there are some isolated schools that are in areas that, that, based on local decisions, Based on local health departments, local officials, they don't open up. Does sports resume for all those other 80% and those that can't just forfeit the games until they can start? Like in the Mountain West, three schools are affected by this California State University uh, announcement saying that they're only going to do online instruction this fall. They're not going to do anything on campus with a few exceptions with hands-on learning, labs, things like that. So does San Jose State, San Diego State, Fresno State, will they have to – could they potentially just forfeit games until their campuses open up to a level where they could get on campus and play?
1: That, and it's, or so does that if, effectively if, shut down the entire Mountain okay, West? so yeah, there you go. So if, if they do that, if there is a forfeiture of games – would not you think there's like some kind of a lawsuit that that puts into the clause if they do something like that? I mean, uh, there's got to be a heavy lawsuit, right? Oh, uh, there's no way.
2: I don't know how that gets avoided. If I'm San Diego State and I want to play, but my local health officials restrict me from being on my campus, but all's clear in, in Utah Fort Collins, Colorado. Yeah, we're Logan
1: Utah, and they're allowed to play, and
2: they're allowed to practice, and they're allowed to train, and they're allowed to do weights and get their bodies big. And I can't do anything, and you give if you're Craig Thompson, and you give Logan and Fort Collins the green light to do things, but I can't. You allow them to play, but I can't. Uh, man, I'm ups- I'd be upset. I'd be ticked.
1: Yeah, there's there'd be a lawsuit sitting around that clause somewhere. San Diego State Athletic Department spokesman Mike May,
2: yeah. uh, he issued a, a comment after this announcement yesterday says, I wanted to provide some clarity, at least from SDSU, with regard to today's announcement. This was yesterday. SDSU will offer a hybrid model for classes, some in-person, some virtual. In athletics, we continue to work through many scenarios, including sports, in the fall. And then there's the president, university president, uh, offered additional clarity. She took to Twitter, saying, in part, we will offer certain lab and performance-based instruction in-person while offering the majority of instruction via virtual modalities, and uh, there'd be much more more detail what that means on, on their website. But to the, the question is, if there can be some students allowed on campus, is that enough of a green light for athletic programs? If instruction is happening, but hmm. and if there are some students that are allowed on campus, yeah. is that enough? Or what is that threshold? Is it 10% is not enough? Does that have to be 50%? Is it 100% full doors open, everybody through? Only then can we do athletics? I just think there's still some questions here that haven't really been fully answered. Because when they say, we're not going to play sports if students aren't allowed on campus. Well, some students are allowed on campus. If only ten students were allowed on campus when normally there'd be twenty thousand, does that count? Or does it have to be something a little more significant than that?
1: <laughs> I think I found a promo for tomorrow. <laughs> I'm Serious, that was actually pretty good. Um but no, you bring up a great point. And by the way when I when I read that as San Diego State, that tells me that they're just ready to throw up the middle finger and say, We're gonna play we're gonna play football. We are going to play football. We want to play, and we're going to play. I still, uh, I don't know how you make it happen with the health officials being on top of you, but
2: well, the Mountain West—they did release at a, a statement last night, basically saying no decisions have been made. They they saw the news, which, which they know the how way. it affects their institutions, those three schools, and basically they said, "We see it, but we're not saying anything about it yet."
1: Well, and and, and the thing is, like, you look at Adam Silver, he's done the smart thing. He's not yet put a date on when they could be back. He has never once even guessed, estimated, or even given a hypothetical date. Yeah, it's true. Of coming back. He has kept his, he has stayed far, far away from that, knowing that if he put himself a date, then there's a ton of pressure to get back by then. Right. Once you float an idea, suddenly the idea becomes the reality. Exactly. And if you don't hit that reality, then there's just mass chaos. And I think that's what the Mountain West Conference is doing. They're saying, you know what? We're going to be patient. It's May 13th. Our season doesn't freaking start until end of August. And we really don't need to be back playing football until mid-June.
2: Yeah. My guess is that first of June, they'll reevaluate. Yeah. Yep. And then if they want to have a season start at the same time, as normally as it is on the schedule, they'd have to look across – the 120 schools or whatever it is in Division One, and say, are you in a, a level, threat level or whatever, where it's it's safe enough for you to have that many people together on your team just for athletics? Uh, if you're able to have some level of students on your campus and uh, it will begin play as it's normally scheduled. If that's the case, I think mid-July is your your drop-dead point to start the season on regular schedule for the athletes to get on those campuses and start working out with their coaches.
1: All right. Speaking of Adam Silver, there's been some news in the NBA. We're going to get to all that, but first we want to give a quick, very huge congratulations to Renee Ingles and Joe Ingles and the family who are expecting their third child in November oh, of yeah, 2020 I saw that. this year. I saw so that. some really great news. Uh, they have the two, and, and it was a worldwide story about the, about the two kids, or I guess one of them had autism. Um, and yet the, and just the amount of pain and emotion, I shouldn't say pain, but just the amount of stress and worrisome Mm. that Joe would go through day after day after day, because he'd be traveling while Renee was taking care of the kids and he was worried and he would be crying going to the game telling his wife he didn't want to go play. Uh, and then finally, when things just kind of came to a head, he, he sat down Gail Miller, Dennis Lindsay, Steve Starks, Quinn Snyder. Uh, the staff and and said, "Hey, here's my situation." And the response was almost like, "Why do not you tell us? We're here for you. We love you. we we want to help you and your family. We love your family. What can we do to help?" And then all of a sudden, you have this these uh, facilities set up within our home Arena to allow kids with autism with you know sensory things to you know uh, be able to enjoy the game or enjoy the atmosphere and such and uh. It, Give so much kudos to Gail Miller and that crew for doing for the response they gave to Joe, and I think that built a lot more trust and a connection between Joe and the Utah Jazz, and uh, I think Joe Ingles and his fans really as as much as in, in anything. Uh, so again, congratulations to Renee and Joe Ingles who are expecting their third child in November of this year. Uh, Wilson is going to be replacing the NBA basketball Spalding manufacturer in twenty one twenty two. This uh, it will be the 37th and final season uh, that Spalding has been uh, used as a basketball for the NBA. Uh, it was the, it was their original manufacturer, and will also provide game balls for the WNBA, G League, and Basketball Africa League when that begins, which, by wow. the way, I had okay. no idea that was beginning. Uh, so, there. Uh, Wilson! He's coming back. All right. Uh, Eric, NBA owners, execs are hopeful for return after a call with Adam Silver according to several sources telling Adrian Wojnowski and other sources too around the country. Uh, They said that they were encouraged about the league's progress towards minimizing health risk upon return and that the league's office positive conversations with the NBA Players Association about the players' desire to eventually restart the season. The difference between the MLB and the NBA right now is that the whole financial issue is not an issue within the NBA. At least they're making it not seem like that right now.
2: Well, I mean, there are issues, but it's not to the degree that may prevent the season from finishing.
1: But baseball's got a major baseball one has
2: some has some major issues that they're still trying to work through because they're structured very differently. There's a revenue split in the NBA, and there really isn't one to the same level at Major League Baseball. So, um, if games can be played, there is an incentive for the players to have these games played. Um, there you know, where they. Where they host these games, it, it continues to be uh, it looked at that there could be you know, these two bubble zones. Sounds like something I'd find in a kid's like playground, the bubble zone. <laughs> but two zone, two places that you could isolate teams and players, where you have a, a, enough courts available, enough rooms available, and you could isolate them. Just have these games staged, take place in a safe environment and limit who comes in and comes out and finish out the regular season. There's still some risk involved with that uh, because you're bringing people in from other areas. Uh, And in some degree, there's going to have to be some cross between those two locations because the Jazz don't have all Western Conference teams left on their schedule. So that's... There's going to have to be some travel involved.
1: And there's going to be a risk, no matter what, according to Adrian Wojcicki, VSPN. There's going to be risk uh,
3: whether they start in the next month or whether the season were to start up again in December. And, and I think that they've all come to that realization and, and, and are starting now to move toward a return to play this season.
1: And then, of course, with the situation, there is, we talked about the financial It's not as devastating as it is to baseball right now based on the disagreements they're having, but according to Brian Windhorst, there is some financial discussion being, uh, I guess that's on the table, and one of them is this.
4: Starting on Friday, star players like Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, LeBron James, their their paychecks are going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars lighter than they were supposed to be. And if that isn't a motivating factor right now, I don't know what is.
1: So instead of saying, you know what, you're just gonna stand on your couch and watch the other teams. Play. I mean, they're saying, you know what, you're losing money while you're not playing. You're losing money, and to us, it's like, holy crap, it's a hundred thousands of dollars. To them, it's that same thought. They want every little penny. They want to squeeze out of the NBA's four billion revenue that that's on the player side that they possibly can get out of it. And hundreds and thousands of dollars per game does just that. Yeah, it still means that still means something to those guys. Uh, some then,
2: people think of these are millionaires, young millionaires, and they spend their money frivolously. And well, that may be true to some degree for some. It's not true for all. Yeah, and I would agree. Uh, the difference between uh, your regular paycheck being a hundred grand less, that still means a lot to them. It mean certainly it would mean more to us, but. Uh, but those guys do pay attention to that, and they don't. They've, they've seen what their regular income looks like, and they don't want it reduced.
1: And then, of course, there needs to be a final decision at some point, according to Brian Windhorst.
4: And at some point, they're going to get pressed into a corner. I don't know if it's going to be June fifteenth or August fifteenth or October fifteenth, but they're going to be pressed into a corner where the money issue is so great that they're going to have to make a decision. And I do not, I do not envy them in that moment.
1: And then one other, one other. I was saying the same thing. Speaking Indian, so weird. <laughs> one other interesting to this thing is is that David Stern had to make some major monumental decisions during the course of his career. I still think about the mouse to the palace or mouse of the palace, Detroit versus Indiana fight that went into the stands. That's one of the biggest ones he's ever had to make in suspending players for the whole entire year. Uh, suspending players indefinitely—huge uh, uh, one. Uh, CBA con, the, the strike that happened, I believe, in 1999. I think, or was it 98 when the season was reduced to 50 games and shortened? Well,
2: Stern was still the commissioner then.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Is is when? He but he was, was Silver was in the office. there was. Uh, sorry, yes, yeah, what I meant to say, Stern. There was major decisions on his side to have to get the NBA back. That he needed the NBA back. Uh, And then when Jordan left the NBA the first time, how do you handle that situation? When uh, this NBA was in, kind of this, as one reporter in South Utah said, kerfuffle in 2006 when ratings were not great, uh, how do you handle it? So what I'm getting to is for Adam Silver, this is one of the bigger decisions probably since uh, helping... What was the one uh, about the? Uh, there, I, okay, I, since the racial tension came apart, I guess, or came unglued, and the NBA players started getting involved, including LeBron mm-hmm. James. Black Lives Matters. Yeah, there you go. This is probably Assuming the most Black consequential. Lives matter. Sorry. This is probably the most consequential decision for Silver so far, and the NBA. Well, it, this is going yeah.
4: to be a study in risk tolerance. We're not gonna have a cure and we're not gonna have a vaccine in time for this season. So this is gonna come down to the NBA building layers of protection. How much risk are you willing to accept? It's gonna land ultimately, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but ultimately it's gonna land on Adam Silver's desk. And he's gonna have to make the call. And it's gonna be one of the biggest decisions he's made in his career. And all of the sports commissioners across all the sports are gonna have to figure out where their risk tolerance is.
1: And I think a lot of them will kind of follow Adam Silver. I really do. I think a lot of them kind of look at Adam Silver as the front face of the situation say, how do you handle it? And then we maybe take either steps different aside from that or follow in line.
2: Well, it's been a it's been a pretty challenging 12 months. Yeah. Uh, besides all of this, it started last fall with uh, some things that happened with uh, the uh, Houston gotcha. Rockets. When they oh, were overseas, yeah, the right, they were going to play point. some exhibition games.
1: That's a great
2: point. And uh, you know, one of the Rockets, uh, Daryl Morley, uh, Maurice excuse me, tweeted out something about standing with Hong Kong, and Chinese government really had a fit over that. Still have hold, held strong grudges against that. And Adam Silver's been trying to navigate supporting... The owners' and players' rights to speak openly, which he has often encouraged, but it's also come at a great cost. Oh, they announced cost, in February, yeah. they estimated about $300 million in lost revenue just Ooh. because of that one tweet and how uh, things have reacted to that. So he was already in kind of a crisis management mode when the season began, and it just got amped up. Um, but you're right. It, how he manages this and how he works through it in dealing with players concerns about safety and owners concerns about losing money uh, and so trying to have some semblance of crowning a uh, way of crowning a champion for the year it, it's it's not an easy task
1: yeah it's not at all and then of course players wanting to finish the season how solidified is it that that is the case
4: If Adam Silver called me and asked me, hey, you talked to a bunch of experts, you talked to a bunch of our people, what do you think? I would tell him, shut it down for right now, come back in the fall, have your training camp, and then play your playoffs crown your 2020 champion sometime in November, and then immediately move on to the 2020-2021 season and let football and baseball and hockey and whomever else be first through the door. There's this rush to be first. If I was Adam Silver, I wouldn't be in a rush to be first.
2: So I'm glad you're not Adam world. Silver, <laughs> Brian
1: Windhorst. That
2: doesn't what? work. In the There's world. so much change with free agency and drafts and <laughs> trades. <laughs> you couldn't do that.
1: All right, Uh and your Los Angeles Lakers are the 2020 MA champions. Let's go ahead, and move on to the Toronto Raptors and Indiana Pacers for the first game of the 2021 <laughs> yeah, g- season. Give ourselves a week. We're
2: going to totally blow up the roster. Oh my gosh! We're introduce the new rookies. Yeah, that just that doesn't work. <laughs> I understand the, the the concern about being first in and maybe a rush, and you may be making some mistakes along the way that others won't have to make. You could learn from them and do it. it Maybe uh, avoid some of those pitfalls. But really, I just I don't see that really making a whole lot of sense. Look, look, Arizona has said we're starting later this week. Professional teams can start practicing. Yeah, you can start doing events. Florida, we heard that at the top of the hour. Florida governor saying, "Look, we're going to be to a spot we feel." that uh, we're going to be open for business. And you can debate the merits of that. But uh, look, there are places that are opening up. The, The numbers and the science is there to illustrate some areas. It has not only plateaued, but the numbers are on a steep decline. So there are other areas that are like, hey,
1: yes, let's get things going again. Let's open this back up. So 0549 just texted in, China runs NBA. See how many players would go have a playoff over there. Okay, so let me ask you something. Does the China run the NBA? No. That's what I think. I don't think that China has anything like Daryl Morey tweeting out what he did. Does not tell me that China owns the NBA. Adam Silver, I wouldn't say scoffs at China. No, I'm not going to say that. No. But it's
2: a- probably does, I mean... It's a huge potential market, and it was a growing, developing market for the NBA. But at the and same as we time, said, it's a $300 million market. See, that's the other thing, though. That's but how- the NBA, as a whole, was going to be, on an average year, like 8 to $10 billion. China represented $300 million. So, no. China does not own the NBA. Yeah, but that's $300 million. It's a lot of money. It's a big market. It's a developing market where it's wildly popular, and they wanted to develop it and grow. And yes, it means a lot to them in, uh, in growing the brand of the NBA. So yeah. they'd love to have it back, but they're not capitulating to China. Daryl Morey, <laughs> if that were the
1: case, Daryl Morey would not have a job today. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. I should have told him that. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. Coming back, the ASPN did an NBA 74 best players in NBA history. 74. Where did Stockton and Malone finish at? And who is number two and number one? That's all coming up on the full court press. 1069 FM 1390 AM and 1069thefan.com.
0: Talking the sports you care about. The full court press on sports talk radio. 1069 FM 1390
1: AM The FAN. Eric France and Audrey Salvison halfway through the month, halfway through the week here on 106 on the FM 1390 AM the Fan. 106 on the fan.com. Dude, I'm telling. Okay, let me ask you. Would you rather, okay? <laughs> oh, we're going to play Would You Rather. Yeah. Okay. Would it- you rather have a bunch of leopards running at you or a bunch of bulls running at you? Oh, man.
2: Am I the only one in the field?
1: Oh fetch! Okay. Or am
2: I in a crowded okay. street?
1: Okay. Okay. I'll I'll put it this way. Here we go. Here we go. Me, you, and John Newbold. <laughs> We're the only three. But 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 like this this place is limited in space, extremely limited, with only one escape route.
2: Oh man. Uh, jeez, I don't know, man. <laughs> because the bull coming at you, brute force. F- Impale you with its horn, fling you in the air.
1: Yeah, but they can't get through spaces like other, like the leopard.
2: Camp. True. I mean, you may be able to be a little more shifty and avoid the bull. Definitely, a leopard would probably chase you down quicker. It is is uh, yeah. a little more athletic? Yep.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm probably, thinking uh, the bull. I'd rather have the bull because I can hide in small spots, and that that bull ain't touching me. But then the bull gets so sick of standing there, it will walk away. And that's when I sneak out and get to the escape (laughs) room. I've been thinking about this. It's a little harder for a bull to change its momentum. (laughs) All right. The uh, ESPN did the ranking of the top 74 NBA players of all time. And uh, Chris Paul, where do you think he ended up at? Chris Paul? Yes, 74 through one. He ended up at where? Um... I'd probably put him I put him in the top 50. He's at 40. Okay. He's at 40, but that's how brutal this thing is. Uh, Jason Kidd, you would guess where?
2: I would probably put Jason Kidd ahead of Chris Paul. Okay. Um, I don't know if I'd put him up by much, but I'd probably put him maybe... If, if Chris Paul's 40, I'd probably put him at 30, 35. Whew, good
1: at it. Yeah, 35 it is. Okay. Uh, Steve Nash... Allen Iverson are 30 and 29. Why does that matter? Because at 28, is John Stockton. Mm. He who beat Steve Nash, who beat Isaiah Thomas, James Harden, Kevin McHale, John Havlicek, George Meekin. Uh, Stockton
2: was ahead of Isaiah Thomas? Yep. Oh, oh. I know a certain Tony time. Jones
1: is going to be upset about that one. <laughs> Walt Frazier. I love it. Walt Frazier. And then, of course, Malone. Which Malone? Carl Malone, Moses sorry. Moses or Carl or oh, Jeff? Jeff. Yeah, Jeff was at number five. <laughs>
2: uh, where do you think Carl Malone ended up at? Carl Malone. Um, all-time scoring leader? Yeah. He's got to be up there. Multiple finals appearances. He was an MVP. Um, I have not seen this list, so Head? I don't know. I would put him ahead of
1: Stockton. Yes. I don't know... 20? 17. So wow, not, 17. Yeah, I mean, about eight or so spots ahead, but not too far. Uh, but the guys ahead of him are really hard to argue. Julius Serving, the logo, Jerry West, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry's at 13, The Dreams at 12, uh, and then Shaq's at 10.
2: Kobe, who's at 11?
1: Who's at 11? Uh, 11 was Oscar Robinson. Oh. Wow. Uh, Kobe Bryant's at 9. Kobe Bryant's outside the top 5. Tim Duncan to eight, Bird seven, Will Chamberlain six, Magic Johnson five, Bill Russell four, Kareem three, LeBron James two, Michael Jordan is one. Wow.
2: So here's Kobe my... Bryant had He's got a lot of rings. Oh, I, to... I, I,
1: dude, but who do you who do you replace him with? Kareem?
2: Yeah. How? I would put I would no put Kobe way. ahead
1: of Kareem. No way! Kareem is one of those decorated athletes all time in basketball sure. history, college, and NBA How many rings combined. does he
2: have? How many MVPs
1: does he have compared to Kobe Bryant? He has six MVP awards. He was a 19-time 19, 19 All-Star. How many rings? Six. Akim Olajuwon? No. Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar. Oh. The Skyhook. Sorry. Kareem versus Akeem. My oh. bad. S- yeah, I was, I was like, thinking I, about... Oh, man. Akeem we all had a discussion there. <laughs> okay, so we got one minute left. Steph Curry finished by... Where did he finish at? 12, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. No, 13. Ahead, so a few he- spots ahead of Stockton. I... Steph Curry... John Stockton, or excuse me, Steph Curry had better athletes around him than John Stockton. I take that Klay Thompson and Draymond Green were more effective than Jeff Hornacek and Karl Malone? No, Carmelo uh, is no. pretty impact player. Jeff Hornacek is not.
2: Jeff Hornacek was a decent player in his time. Could uh, d- hit an n- outside dude, shot. I, I, no, don't.
1: Klay Thompson would work Jeff Hornacek to just shred.
2: True, them. but it's a different era. The three point shot wasn't encouraged as much back then as it was as it is today. And they got rings. John Stockton didn't get any rings.
1: That's a debate for tomorrow. For Eric Franson, and am Audrey and Thanks for listening to another edition of the Full Court Press. 106 on FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. With this lull in sports action, the media is hitting us
2: with a new list every day. Usually these are reserved for-